0: passage that I'd like to direct your attention to is the one that we read in Luke's Gospel in chapter 9, and the words of the Lord Jesus, who said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. The Indian evangelist named Sadhu Sundar Singh was with his Tibetan companion, crossing a Himalayan mountain pass. They were fighting the sleep of death and they stumbled on a mound in the trail. It was a man half dead. The Tibetan refused to stop and went on alone. But the compassionate Sadhu shouldered the burden He picked up the man and he put him on his back. It was a real struggle. But as he walked, he began to warm up, as did the unconscious man. Before reaching the village, the two men passed the Tibetan, frozen to death. The principles that Jesus taught us are like this story. Those who seek their own self-interest in this life will lose eternal life. And those who deny themselves in this life will find eternal life. There's a word used sometimes by politicians, it's a bit dropped out at the moment, they're using other words to describe it, that uh, the politicians used to talk about austerity. We have got debts and we need to cut back. We need to have discipline in the way we live. Really means strictness or severity. Control over our finances. And when we read these words of the Lord Jesus who where Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, it can be initially intimidating to us. Because we know that uh, in our modern society, where the feel-good factor is so important to many people, uh, many so-called evangelicals have kind of taught, particularly uh, across the pond, that uh, you need to learn to love yourself. Well, actually Jesus didn't teach us to love ourselves. The Lord Jesus told us that we're to love him, and if we're not loving him more than we love ourselves, we're not following him, we're not a Christian. And uh, Jesus' words follow uh, a situation where Peter has dramatically confessed that he knows that Jesus is the Christ of God. But Jesus had also predicted his own death and his resurrection and left the disciples to ponder this. To a certain extent, Jesus, and I paraphrase, was saying, I'm not going to fulfill your desires for power and glory yet. The disciples often had this idea that they were going to be very important in the new kingdom of Jesus. And Jesus was saying, I'm not going to give you everything you want in this life either. However, I will come again in power and glory. But first comes the cross. And for you, if you're going to share my power and glory, you also will have to carry your cross before you share my glory. These, is, these words of the Lord Jesus are, are, are very plain but also very demanding. Let's focus on, on the first phrase disciples must deny themselves. Jesus said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself. Um, he, of course, embraces the generic uh, men and women, boys and girls. What does this mean? Well let me let me do it in the classic way that the commentator Gilwood let me tell you the negative first. We don't cease to be an individual without we, we, we don't cease to be individuals without any personality. Denying yourself doesn't mean to say that you eradicate your own personality. Christians are not clones like a stereotype Project. They're not all going to be like a godly pastor. We're all going to be very different. Jesus is not asking us to deny our individual identities. We live in a society that prizes individualism. And perhaps the fear looms when Jesus says we're to deny ourselves. We're going to deprive ourselves of all that makes me, me. But discipleship doesn't mean that we stop caring about ourselves. We are human beings and we're all very different. We're different physically, we're different emotionally. And discipleship doesn't mean that we stop caring about ourselves. We have our needs. God has given us the gifts of rest and recreation and uh, food and solitude. And these are are things that we, we are not called on normally to deny ourselves in discipleship. We have a personality that's different than everybody else, and that is to be channeled in our discipleship and not denied. So we're not to deny um, our own personality and individuality. What are we to do then? Well, we're first of all to deny that we are righteous. We're to deny our self-righteousness and our self-dependence. The word deny is the same word that is used of Peter's denial of Jesus um, uh, before Jesus was crucified. It means to disown or to renounce. So Jesus is clearly not talking about denying yourselves some little pleasures. Uh, I I grew up in a village where um, some people at Lent stopped buying chocolate Um, Jesus is not saying deny yourself chocolate or or stop um, eating eggs um, at Lent and and, and binge um, at the end with with your pancakes. He's not saying little things like that. This is something far more profound and and, and far more serious. He's talking about a way of life that uh, gives up our selfish interests and embraces the interests of the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel. It means we become living, alive sacrifices to God. We put ourselves on the altar to focus on things that please the Lord Jesus. And that is, is, is obvious because if we're Christians, the Lord Jesus is our Lord and our Master. And he is absolutely unique. He's none other than the living God in human flesh. And you can't be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ if you're following your own personality or following society and not seeking to channel your life to be shaped like the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew Henry, the great commentator, uh, once wrote, self-denial is the first lesson in Christ's school. John Calvin, writing earlier than Henry said, it's it's the sum of the Christian life. Wow! That's really bringing it home how important it is, isn't it? If these insightful believers say that. Now that is also counter-cultural. This is very much opposed to the spirit of the age. It means that we entrust ourselves completely to the Lord Jesus Christ... And as we received him, so we walk in him. We live to do God's will and seek his kingdom and its righteousness. Somebody wrote this. Flagrant vice is not needed to kill the life of God. Clean, respectable selfishness does that work very well. So we, if we're followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are to abandon our paramount yearning for pleasure if it beats our loyalty to the Lord. We're going to have to give up popularity if it costs us loyalty to the Lord Jesus. We're going to have to give up the drive for human achievement if it vies to seeking the honour of the Lord Jesus Christ. Following Jesus means giving up a self-centred life, turning away from self-centredness and every attempt to live by the rule of self-interest. It's very sad, isn't it? Sometimes you just get to know people. And they just really don't ever think about others. It's a sad fact of life. But the Christian is somebody who seeks to please God and not give in to our feelings. And not give in to our desires. Because sometimes our feelings may be out of tune with God's will. And we have to think about our tendencies. Don't we have a tendency to retaliate when somebody wrongs us? When somebody says the wrong thing, when somebody hurts us, what's our reaction? Well, we want to put them right. We want to set them straight. Maybe if it's something very painful, uh, we want to get them to get their comeuppance. You want them to feel the hurt that they've made you feel. Jesus again tells us we've got to deny our feelings. We've got to give up the right to bear grudges and. Retaliate. Rather, we need to reach out to the ones that have wronged us. Self-denial is a very important aspect of being a Christian. But the Lord Jesus adds to that. Disciples not only must deny themselves, but they must take up their cross daily. What comes to mind when you hear the word cross? Well, some people might think it's a, it's a piece of jewellery. Others might think it's something you see uh, on a church steeple or outside uh, a place of worship. But mention the cross to the people of the Lord Jesus' day and a very different image comes to mind. Many would have seen a road lined with stakes... And nailed on those stakes would have been the bodies of the enemies of Rome. And the Romans thought that the very word cross was an obscene word that you didn't use in polite conversation. So if Jesus was trying to gain popularity and a large following, he surely picked on the one image... That would be most likely to turn people away people who heard Jesus say take up your cross daily knew that the Lord Jesus was saying come and die literally it has meant that for Christians down the centuries sometimes but the Lord is not asking us to physically die he's asking us to die to ourselves And live to him. So remind. let me remind you what Jesus is saying. Anyone who follows the Lord Jesus Christ has to do this. There are no special cases that are exempt from taking the cross if you're a disciple of the Lord Jesus. One pattern exists for all. Our Lord intended to make this a very telling illustration. Christians have had a lot of hostility at times because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and because of the way they've lived. And sometimes people wake up to realize that it's being a Christian sometimes that has brought more challenges and more difficulties into their lives. Children may be teased because they say the Bible. Teenagers may be ridiculed because they, look, they, they don't look at porn or lie or swear or cheat. That is a painful thing, to be different and to suffer with something that kills our good feelings. God is offering life, eternal life, but it's life out of a death. Our world is full of advertisements, in the Western world particularly. Hard to escape from the allurements to a life of self-indulgence and pleasure. And, And that appeals to many of us. And we're drawn to fall in with world suggestion but Jesus is saying my disciples are different they deny themselves they carry a cross and then they get a crown so it's not so it's for all disciples and it's not everyday suffering I'm sure you, you've heard some people say sometimes uh, about something that they're going through it's a cross I've got to bear. They talk about all the troubles they've got. It, it may be uh, that their spouses have become ill. It may be that loved ones have got dementia. They maybe got a handicapped child. It, it, it may be that a loved one has been mowed down by a drunken driver. And these are very heavy burdens. And they are, they are very painful things. But they in and of themselves are not the cross that Jesus is talking about that disciples must carry. These are the kind of sufferings and difficulties that affect uh, affect humanity in a general way. It's not everyday suffering that Jesus is talking about. Yes, some of those things that happen to us may be God's way of refining us or disciplining us but that's not what jesus is referring to here let me embed it in the society of jesus Uh, when uh, the romans crucified a criminal the victim was often forced to carry his cross to the crucifixion site that's exactly what happened to the lord jesus Although the Lord Jesus was too weak to carry it all the way and so when you saw a person carrying a cross through the heart of a community you would know that the Roman Empire had imposed the sentence of death on that person it was indicating that in the eyes of the Roman rulers that person has done wrong so in Jesus' day a cross wasn't something irritating, inconvenient or even a tragedy it was an instrument of slow execution we think of our Lord Jesus at Calvary we think of what went before Calvary the burden of Jesus' heart the agony in Gethsemane He knew what was coming. In a sense, he was carrying the cross before he physically endured the cross. And a man bearing his cross had given up all hope and interest in the things of the world. Wouldn't be any good to saying a man staggering under his cross to a place of execution, well, I hope things are going to get better for you. They are absolutely not. This person is not thinking about a brighter future. This person is thinking about what's coming next. A.T. Pearson, I think he was one of Spurgeon's successors, said, getting rid of the self-life is like peeling an onion, layer upon layer. It's a tearful process. And Jesus is saying that carrying his cross is not everyday suffering, but it's getting rid of the bad parts of our self-life. It's an ongoing death to our own willfulness, and our own bad habits, and our own necessity of relearning what it is to follow Jesus. And so it's an inward cross as well as an outward cross. The deepest pains, I think, sometimes of carrying Jesus' cross are the invisible one. It's not the hurt that comes through standing for Christ in opposition. The, the apostle in Colossians puts it like this. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earth earthly nature... Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. This is what the Puritans used to call mortification of sin. What we would call putting to death our old nature. We need changes. Now, it's really true that many people who've grown up in Christian fellowships and in godly homes in many ways, have already gone on that pathway of self-denial and self-discipline. It's been taught in the home. The example has been set by their loved ones, by grandparents and relatives and family members who are Christians. And they may not be in the condition of the people in Colossae that Paul was referring to who've got to put to death sexual immorality and impurity and greed... And idolatry, but nevertheless, a Christian has to battle with what's inside us that needs dealing with. We we may tend to be lazy. We may tend to worry. We may be touchy. We might be moody. We might be insensitive or unreliable or all good or selfish. These are all things that we need to face up to. It's an inward dealing with bad attitudes and feelings. You see, one of the writers says that if we deal with sin, temptation to sin on the thought level, it won't get further than the mind. It won't be practice. When selfish thoughts invade your mind, judge them. Confess them. forsake them. Pray, Lord, you gave up your rights. You became obedient to death on the cross for me. Help me to have that same attitude now. Paul says that God's grace trains us to say no to all ungodliness and worldly desires and replace those things with sensitive Righteous, godly living. This is what we are called today. And the writer here, uh, the Lord Jesus here, reminds us it's a daily cross. There's no shortcuts. Wouldn't it be wonderful if somebody could lay, uh, lay his hands on us and say, let's get rid of that in your life. And it's gone. Doesn't work like that. Growing in grace and in sanctification is a lifelong work. Every day faces a new challenge. We don't know what somebody might say to us today or tomorrow. We don't know what we might have to deal with tomorrow. It's a daily fact that we apply the teaching of the Lord Jesus to everyday life. But it's an intentional act. The Lord Jesus says take it up in other words it's voluntary submission to the lord jesus christ Uh, i don't watch some programs regularly but sometimes i think oh let me let me delve into that and see what it's like and curiosity uh, gets the better of me there's been a series of programs about who do you think they are what one or two of those anyhow I looked at one the other night, and it was an actor discovering his heritage, and he discovered that his maternal uh, sorry yes, his maternal great-grandfather was named Albert Lockley, and he worked as a miner uh, in Wales. But he was also a star footballer, the center forward for his local club. And then he was called up to play for Wales. And uh, this actor was getting really excited because he loved football. Really excited. And then the narrator says, and there's something else we need to tell you. That having played once for Wales internationally, he gave up football. What? he says. Well, the lady says, He was converted in the 1905 revival in Wales. And he gave up football. What? says the actor. It's the saddest thing I've ever read. As an atheist, I can't begin to tell you how upsetting that is for me. He was absolutely bewildered that this grandfather of his, great-grandfather of his, had denied himself a life of fame, gave up at the peak of his career popularity and all the trappings that would have gone with it to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I was pleased that the narrator did point out what the 1905 revival did. She pointed out that that year of the revival, there was no crime whatsoever in the town nobody was taken to court there was no drunkenness it left the actor somewhat bewildered he'd not heard about anyone living a knife of self-denial and taking up jesus cross and following him so the final thing is we must follow christ we must deny ourselves take up the cross and Jesus says follow me what do we follow well we follow the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ of course the Lord Jesus is the son of God he's full of heavenly wisdom the Lord Jesus believed the Bible and if the Lord Jesus believed the Bible why don't we believe the Bible if it was enough for him, it should be enough for us. We've got all the great answers to the questions of life through the Lord Jesus Christ. The purpose of life. What's wrong with our world? What can we put right about our world? Who is God? What happens after death? What must I do to inherit eternal life? It's all there in the wisdom of Jesus that we should follow. We should follow his daily living in our day-to-day lives. He humbled himself. He did what God wanted him to do. We should be humble and teachable and obedient to the will of God. And he was filled with joy. And he wanted that joy to be in us, his people. The joy of knowing we're loved eternally. And the Lord Jesus... New sorrow. He wept over a city that rejected him. He cried with his friends when a dear brother had died. The Lord Jesus wasn't a loner. He went to weddings and to parties. And he gives us every evidence that we should follow him in every part of his life. Jesus is the model for all of us if we follow him. But the punchline comes next. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever wants, whoever loses his life for me will find it. There was the poet who wrote, I'm the master of my soul. I'm the captain of my soul, the master of my fate. And what's the result? People have just lost their lives. They've lost eternal life. They've lost the meaning of life. They've lost the joy of life. They've lost the hope of life. Calvin wrote this. It's very clear that we keep the commandments not by loving ourselves, but by loving God and our neighbour. He that lives the best and holiest life lives and strives for himself as little as he can. But no one lives in a worse or more evil manner than he who lives and strives for himself alone and thinks about and seeks only his earthly advantage. Maybe you're thinking as I end this message this morning, as I end the words of the Lord Jesus this morning, it sounds negative. It sounds hard. But something else comes with self-denial and carrying the cross. There is a future hope. There is God's presence with us in this life. When we think about self-denial, I guess you might think about an athlete. TV's been full of achievers. And I, I'm pretty sure every, single, every one of those people who's achieved something has been a person that's denied themselves. No question about that. I remember reading about the Indian captain, Coley. And uh, he was a pretty good but ordinary cricketer until he started going to the gym regularly. He built up his stamina and his fitness and his strength. Top batsman in the world after that. I'm not saying that uh, the more we deny ourselves, the better we'll be. But surely it's highlighting the fact that if our Christian life is going to be worth anything, and rewarding and fulfilling and rewarded... At the end of time, we've got to take up Jesus' cross, deny ourselves, and follow him. Have you heard God's message this morning? Is God speaking to you this morning? Is God calling you to a new beginning? Is God calling you to change? I pray that he will. And if he does, He will help you because he will be with you.